And aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I'm thankful to be in church tonight. I was beginning to wonder if I was going to make it today. And uh, my flight only got changed about five times today. So I missed one flight and missed another flight. They said, look, you're never going to get to Kansas City today. I said, I've got to get to Kansas City tonight. And I um, had a friend that works for the airline call me. He said, look, we're going to bump somebody for you. They bumped somebody off a flight so I could get here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, he's bailed me out several times, but he really did today. Man, he really did bump somebody. He put them on standby and took me off. So thank the Lord I made it. Amen. I'm glad to be here tonight with Brother and Sister Riggin, this church. And it's been six years since I was here. And um, <clears throat> nothing's changed for me. I still look the same. And I um, haven't got much older. And uh, just six years is all. And uh, But I really have looked forward to being here. And I, w I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to be here until your pastor called me. And other than just the day coming in and flying out the next day to go to Zimbabwe. And uh, when Brother Reagan called me and asked me if I would go, I immediately said yes. But I had this question, how am I, <laughs> how's an evangelist going to raise money to do this? And, uh, but I've been amazed at how God's provided and doors have opened up financially. And I'm not setting the world on fire on this trip as far as finances go, but God's going to help us. And um, I want to be a blessing on the trip financially and help out. And uh, you know what was amazing when he told me where we were going, uh, when I went to Bible college, I had a, one of my dearest friends in Bible college was from Zimbabwe, Africa. And he's from Harare. He actually pastored three churches there. And we've lost contact with him over the last 20 years probably. And I've tried every way I can to find him. Don't have no way of knowing how to get in touch with him. But I'm praying that while we're there, somehow or another, we'll be able to find out where he's at. And uh, I don't, I, I, actually, I think his family moved to Canada. But I think he's still there, in and out of there. And if there's any remnant of a church left, I sure would love for us to find him and put them together. Amen. And just pray that God would help us. I'm expecting the Lord to do some great things. I'm believing God to do that. I'm expecting the Lord to do something great here tonight. Yes. Amen. I come with an expectation for God to help us. <coughs> Praise God. And I, I get out of a service what I put into it. I realize that. And um, I want the Lord to help me tonight. I need the help of the Lord. Yes. Amen. We need to hear from the Lord, don't we? Yes. Amen. I look at our present situation in our world and and I could throw up my hands if I wanted to but I serve a God bigger than that and God's in control of everything I said God's in control of every situation amen everybody's in charge of governments is there because God let them be there and I however it happens if somebody cheated whatever they do God's in control he gets the final say in all this amen I trust the Lord how many trust the Lord tonight Praise God. Praise God. 
good to see familiar faces here. Good to see faces I don't know. And um, maybe I do know you. You just change as much as I have. So <laughs> when you get older, you forget. So I have a good excuse. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37. I'm going to preach tonight with the help of the Lord, something you've heard probably many times. You may know the story better than I do, but I felt compelled as I was coming here today. I was sitting on the airplane, and I had tried several times to study, uh, read over some notes of what to preach tonight, seeking God, talking to the Lord. And I had such an overwhelming touch of God sitting on an airplane. If I could have, I would have got down on my knees in that airplane and buried my face in the pillow and prayed. Right then and there, I felt such a strong touch of God. It may be for tonight, tomorrow, and this weekend. But I want the Holy Ghost to help us tonight. Amen. Ezekiel 37, begin reading at verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out to the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Particular attention here in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God. Everybody say, thus saith the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Let's pray tonight and ask the Holy Ghost to talk to us. God, I'm thankful for your help tonight, Lord. You're the anointing. You're the everything that I need tonight, God. I pray you'd move in this service tonight, Jesus. Touch our hearts with your anointing power tonight, God. Talk to our hearts, I pray, Jesus. Talk to us tonight, God. Let your perfect will be done tonight, God. Let your anointing rest upon me tonight, God. Speak to me your word tonight. Help us tonight, God. Let that door of utterance open, God, and talk to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you tonight, Jesus. I love you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. I'm going to preach for a little while tonight. How many is going to help me preach? 
Amen. I'm going to preach from a simple subject tonight, when God speaks. When God speaks, it changes everything. I found out when God speaks, it doesn't matter what man thinks or says. It doesn't matter what the opposition is. It doesn't matter how bleak circumstances may be. It doesn't matter how impossible a situation may be. When God speaks on a matter, it changes everything. He's God. It's forever settled when God speaks. When the Lord begins to talk, we better pay attention. When God begins to tell us what he's thinking, I want to know what he thinks. Amen. I hear people pray, and I've been guilty of it myself in times past, praying and uh, trying to force God into my will instead of being in the will of God. And sometimes what I want of God and what I expect of God is different than what he wants me to have. And I've got to find out what the mind of God is in my life and, and even what I'm preaching tonight. I'm of the opinion that every service, God has a perfect plan for that service. I don't subscribe to the theory that some have that we just preach a thought, whatever we think is good for that service, and God will anoint us. His word's anointed. I've heard James Dobson give some pretty good lessons. And the word of God is anointed. And the principles in the word work no matter who does it. And so that, that's one thing. But when I begin to try to tell God, this is what I'm going to do tonight, and you need to help me out with it. Instead of me knowing what the mind of God is, and there's times I've taught, and I'm not going to lie to you, where I just had to teach what I had that night and hope God would help me. Y'all don't hold it against me. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if tonight's one of them or not. <laughs> but I've had a man tell me that, that he believes at every service that God will, um, whatever I preach or whatever I teach and whatever happens is the will of God. And I had to disagree with him because I believe God has a perfect plan for you and I. It's not just shaking it up in a box and dumping it out and say, here you go, God, I hope it works. I believe that God really does want to talk to us. I believe that God really does want to help the church today. I believe that God is wanting to give the church, his church, revival today. Praise God. If we ever needed the church to be on fire, it's right now. If we ever needed to be apostolic, it's right now. From the day of Pentecost to today, I don't believe we've ever dealt with the uh, situation our world's in today. And I'm not talking about modern things. I'm talking about sin. I believe there's been spirits held in reserve for days like today. I believe there's an onslaught of hell against the church like never before. I have seen the ministry attacked in the last four years in ways I never dreamed possible. And as an evangelist going back out on the field this time, every time I go to a church, the pastor's wife suffering depression, the pastor going through uh, terrible heartache, uh, everything you can imagine happening. And it's a spirit running rampant in the world today. And we've got to stand up and fight against it. 
I can't give in to what I feel, the pressure coming back at me. I can't give in uh, to the feeling, well, you know, it's time for somebody younger to step it up. I cannot give in to my feelings. I cannot give in to what I see. I cannot give in to what I hear and what I'm going through. I can't give in to what the enemy wants me to give in to. Praise God. We desperately need a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The oneness Pentecostal movement needs a revival. I don't preach a message of doom and gloom and it's over. I preach a message that we're seeing our best days. Well, hallelujah. I believe that we're going to see our best days. I do believe and. Your pastor can correct it, and, and your pastor is a tremendous Bible teacher, and he's a tremendous preacher, and uh, he is a scholar far beyond my abilities, I promise you, and uh, I admire his ability to study and break down the Word of God, and uh, he's actually helped me more times than he'll ever know uh, in working through something in the Word of God. And we need men of God that can help us understand. Matter of fact, I believe it's in Nehemiah. When Ezra got up to read the word, there was men that stood that day. Uh, he had a platform. He had a pulpit that day. The first, probably that's where we get it from. And uh, as he was teaching the word, reading the word that day, the people would say, amen, amen, when he would say something. Uh, as he read the word, what struck me when I began to study about this, it just stood out to me just here recently as I was reading it, and I, I began to do a little study on it. Those men held banners. I don't know if it was for sections of people or what it was, and, and they helped the people understand what he was reading. They actually helped uh, as he was reading, as Ezra read the word of God. And from that day to this day, Israel has never gone back into heathen pagan worship. Something happened that day when they fell in love with, with the word. It did something to them. It put it into their heart. Amen. That's why David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Praise God. I want the word of God. Uh, to have full reign in my life. And so as I have been reading, studying this simple little thought here, going over some scriptures, just trying to get it into my mind, I understand the day and hour that we're in, that if I look at circumstances, it can be uh, overwhelming sometimes. I've had young ministers calling me. I was having them call my brother. Call my brother, he can help you. He called me. He said, quit telling young preachers to call me. He said, why do you think they're calling you? I said, they want to talk to an elder. He said, how old do you think you are now? So I told him to call Brother Riggin. No, I didn't really. <laughs> and I've had a couple of them call me here lately. He said, what do you do in this situation? And guess what my answer was? I don't have a clue. I've never heard of something so bad in my life. I've never heard of somebody going through what they're going through. I've never seen such convoluted messes in my life with people. I've never seen people so messed up uh, in situations that have fingers running through so many different phases of a church, so many areas of a church. 
And I told the Lord, God, somehow, some way, in 2013, something's got to happen to us. Matter of fact, it was December last year I was praying, and I was in California preaching there, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me in 2013. I don't say stuff like this lightly, and I, I, I thought about it a long time before I'm saying what I'm fixing to tell you, but I felt like the Holy Ghost spoke to me that in 2013, he wanted me to do everything in my power. If I would do everything I could, he would do what he could. God spoke to me that, it, that he wanted me, every church that I went to, to try to stir them up. Amen. Remind them of where God brought them from. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. Hey, we've got to have revival like we've never had revival. If we ever needed a move of God, it's right now. If we ever needed apostolic power in the church, it's right now. If the saints ever needed to be apostolic, it's right now. If I ever needed to pray in the Holy Ghost, it's now because I don't even know what to say in some situations. I don't even know what to tell somebody. I talked to Brother, y'all know Brother Tim Jordan. I talked to him yesterday, and he told me, he said, he didn't understand the situation. He said, they come to me crying. He said, all I did is a man, just a disaster in his family. What I do? He said, I just hugged him and cried with him. He said, I don't know what to say. He said, I'm serious. The older I get, the less I know what to say. I just cry and sympathize with them, pray for them, and ask God to help us. What do we do in days like this? And the only hope we've got is him. He's the only answer that's going to take care of this. I wish I was smarter than what I am. Maybe I'm not smart, but I wish I was smarter than what, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. Wish I had more brain power. How about that? But I don't. I just do the best I can. Because we're dealing with such complex issues today and situations that I don't even know what to do. Little country churches are fighting spirits they've never fought, situations they've never. How in the world does a little church out in the middle of the boondocks have to deal with something like that? And then we start branching out other churches more and more and more. And we look around wondering what's going to happen. I believe, now this is where, let me get back. I almost forgot my point, but I'm going to get back to it. And, and your pastor can help me out if I'm wrong on this. But when you begin to study in Revelations, the churches that are there listed, the seven churches of Asia, when you begin to study that, and I, you see some that were doing horrible. Some were doing okay and some were doing real good. I believe that when the Lord comes back, there will be churches having apostolic revival like they never have. And you can go down to the next Pentecostal church that believes basically the same thing, and they're going to be dried up, dead, can't have revival because of carnality, worldliness, whatever, uh, pleasures of life, whatever you want to call it. But I believe in the midst of all of this that God will give a church, a group of people that's hungry for it. He will give us a revival that will rival anything we've ever had. Jesus, help us. Praise God. I, I was reading over, I, I looked up, 
and uh, I read some information. I talked to a few people about the great reformations and, and the great, I'm sorry, the great awakenings. There's been several what they call great awakenings. They were in Europe, uh, mostly in, at the beginning of what they call the great awakening. And then there's been a few come through America in the last couple of hundred years. And the great awakening, when you study them out, when it happened in Europe, they didn't have the full truth. But they had a revival of repentance. And that revival of repentance would be so powerful in some areas that it shut down every beer joint. It shut down the house of ill repute. It, it stopped all kinds of, of vices that were going on just from a revival of repentance. And it swept through whole towns and hamlets and cities and, and even some countries. And it happened in America. And we've had several what they call great awakenings happen in different parts of the country. And then, of course, we have uh, Azusa Street. We have Topeka, Kansas, which isn't that far from here. And uh, there was something happened. And I, I don't believe, and I, I believe it's false doctrine to believe that the church died out. The church never died out. There's always been more than just a little group of people. There's always been more than a handful during the dark ages. There's always been people that believe truth just because we don't have recorded history of it. I'm going to tell you something. The gates of hell did not prevail against God's church. It did not weaken it. Matter of fact, every time there's persecution and, and severe trials against the church, it seems to do its best. I almost selfishly have prayed lately, God put America on its knees. But I don't want to evangelize on a mule, so I'm not saying that too much. But I'm willing if God wants me to. We've got to have revival. I said, we've got to have revival. We've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. You understand, back in the early 1900s, we had sweeping revival in areas of the country. And the more history that we dig up, the more we find there was more oneness, Jesus' name believers, tongue talkers, than, there, than we ever thought there was. And uh, as they're finding this out, and I was in California early this year in revival, and I got a tour of Azusa Street. And it was about seven, eight hours we drove around to different areas. And uh, he told me the history of what took place. And he's very skilled at the history. And, and it'll just roll out of him for hours talking about it. And uh, I, I'm telling you, man, the Holy Ghost would move at times when he was talking to me. I could feel the Holy Ghost because it was stirring up something inside of me. If God did it then, he hadn't changed one bit. If God stirred a group of people in 1900, 1903, 1906, and 1916, 15, and 17, whenever it was, when all these different stirrings happened, it has not diminished God's power one bit because it's been a while since we've seen something like that. So, I mean, we saw a lot of things. I saw where uh, Bonnie Bray Street, where the house was, where they began to have a prayer meeting. And, and uh, I took pictures of it. And, and I've got recorded probably 
hour and a half of, of the, him just talking to me right there. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you, I got stirred up listening to it. And he said that the porch broke off when they got the Holy Ghost started moving. The porch, have you heard this? The porch broke off and people rolled down the hill from that house and they think maybe that's where the term Holy Roller might have even started at. And, and so many things happened. It went into the mission on Azusa Street and, and began to spread from there and, and just one thing after the other. And, it, and I saw where Azusa Street, where the church was at. It's just a one-block deal. And uh, there's a Japanese culture center there. And the only thing left from Azusa Street that's there is a grapefruit tree. Still growing, still producing grapefruit. I ate several grapefruit off of it this year. Matter of fact, I got a whole sack full of seeds uh, I want somebody to plant for me and uh, try to grow great. It don't mean nothing to nobody. and it, it don't have no Holy Ghost in it. I just want them. <laughs> and uh, that, I stood there and I looked around and I thought, man, this is in the downtown heart of Los Angeles where this was at. And then I saw where there's a temple where they had truth at the beginning. When I found out some of that, it shocked me. I didn't realize there was that much truth there at that time. And then I went to where they had the camp meeting and where a man got a revelation of who God was in the middle of the night and got up running through the campgrounds crying out about the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And so it stirred me up a little bit this year. And I keep going back to it, and it keeps on stirring my heart and my mind. And, and I'm telling God, Lord, I want to see it happen now. I want to see God do something now. And so if I took the time to go through all of the awakenings and all of that, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a stirring going on where people are hungry. Just because, you know, it may not happen in the United States. We had several preachers recently went to Cuba and uh, are going back next year, an open door there. Who would have thought the Pentecostals would be the first Christians from the United States get to go in there? And uh, with the government's blessings, imagine that. And uh, here we're seeing doors opening and we're going to Zimbabwe. And I don't know what's going to happen with these Trinitarian people that are going to, we're going to be meeting there, but I've been praying. Amen. I, I've been going over and over through the book of Acts this week, praying. And I said, God, I, I, well, Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. I'm not the apostle, Peter. Your pastor's not, but we're, we're men of God, just like he was called of God. We got the same Holy Ghost, the same power of God. Amen. I believe the Holy Ghost will be poured out if people are hungry for it. If I can get a hold of God like I need to, and I can pray in the Holy Ghost, I believe there is no telling what God could do. Hallelujah. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. I've seen in, in different parts of the country where you, you go back to the history of it, you see in the last 100 years to where about every 15 to 20 years, there's a, a sweep of the Holy Ghost. There is it just, it just kind of sweeps through in there. It's like a wave coming in and goes out. And, and when it happens, and, and, I, and I feel that anticipation. When we lived in California, I would go to the Pacific Ocean pretty much every week. And I'd love to go to the beach and listen to the, the waves crashing in. And where we were at, it was massive waves. It wasn't no little waves. It's not the Gulf of Mexico. And I've seen 20-foot waves. They have what they call the Mavericks that happen about once a year or so. And when the Mavericks happened, they have one this past year that was 40-something feet tall. Wave comes smashing in there. 
And I watch those guys trying to ride those waves. And, and uh, it, it's amazing when I see that coming in there. And they have rogue waves. And they have signs up all up down the coast there uh, to watch out for rogue waves. And would you believe people that live there all their life and grow up there, they know the horror stories, they know what happened. And every year, one of them drowns, a bunch of them. A rogue wave will just jump up out of nowhere. Waves will be coming in steady the same, and then all of a sudden there's just a massive wave come in. And I witnessed it one day, and we were standing up on the side of a cliff watching it. And uh, people was out there swimming, and it was cold. The water never gets warm there, so most of them swim with a wetsuit on and, and uh, just out there playing in the water. And we're sitting up watching there, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I saw it happening before the wave jumped up. I saw the water going out, and, and I seen them struggling, trying to, to hold themselves. It was dragging them out, and I knew when that was happening, it was building up. There was a huge undertow all of a sudden hit them, and you didn't see nothing different out there, but you saw the water peeling back from the beach, and as it was happening, all of a sudden, here come this massive wave jumped up and just wiped them guys out. They survived it, but the wave was so big, it came all the way up and slapped up where I was at on the cliff. I was a good, I don't know how far up we were. We was up pretty far. And to see that wave come smashing in that far, uh, those guys had laid their clothes out there. Their clothes were gone, billfolds, telephones, and they was a long way from where the water had been coming. But that rogue wave jumped up and got everything. That's how people die out there. That rogue wave comes. I'm going to tell you what we need to happen right now. We're fighting such an onslaught of hell. Amen. I was talking to my brother just recently. He said he believes their spirits have been held in reserve for the end time. And he believes that right now they are beginning to be loosed on this earth and walking among us and beginning to do their evil deeds. And I, and I believe what I believe that. I believe that we're facing things that we've never faced before. I believe that there's things happening that we've never dealt with. But I also know this, that God's power is still more powerful than any demon in hell. Hey, there's not a spirit, there's not a force that is stronger than my God. Amen. There's nothing that can withstand my God. And if you and I get a hold of the power of God, and if you and I get a hold of what God's wanting to do, there is no telling what God could do around here. Jesus, help us. God, I've never seen such weariness among the body of Christ. I've never seen people so tired coming to church. I've never seen the ministry wore out like they are. Scripture came to my mind. He would wear out the saints of the Most High God. I'm going to tell you, that literally means wearing us down to lose your resolve. When God comes back in one place, will he find faith on the earth? We're seeing it happen every time we look around. We're seeing it happen. But I'm telling you, if we can ever learn how to get a hold of God, if we can, and I've, I've been around this for years, preached it and believed it, and, and God's helped me. But I'm going to tell you something. I still find myself uh, getting weary in well-doing. I find myself getting tired in the battle. I find myself wanting to back off every once in a while because of the pressure that I begin to feel around me. And I'm reminded. 
reminded of what Nehemiah said. He said, the strength of the bearers of burden is decay because there's much rubbish in the way. And I'm going to tell you what's happening as we're seeing calamities here and disaster there, trouble in the world, trouble in politics, everywhere you look, the economy, everything's affecting us. And there's so much garbage in the way. It's hard to do what you need to do for God. We, we have so many options today that we didn't have before. We have so many things to choose from. We have so many things that affect our mind. It's wearing us down. And we're fighting it today. And, and everywhere we look, but I'm going to tell you something, we need to keep on working and keep one sword in the hand and a tool in the other hand. And when the enemy comes to mock us, I'm not coming down, he said. I'm not coming down off a wall. They can say what they want to, but I'm not coming down from it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, help us. Man, I begin to look at circumstances. I can't look at circumstances. Everywhere we turn, we're hearing this, hearing that. I was preaching revival in a church this year. And every service, people was coming up for prayer. And, and the church is an old church. It's been there over 90 years. It's in Louisiana. It's, it's one of the oldest churches in Louisiana. And it's, a, it's been a very good church. It's still a good church. And they've had to fight through some stuff to get to where they're at. Because all around them, there's progressive Pentecostals everywhere. Progressive Pentecostals is a new word for charismatic. And they're surrounded by just a couple blocks. They got them everywhere. And they're standing for what's right in the middle of all of that pressure. And, and, and in about two weeks... Out of all the people that was coming forward for prayer, he'd have me come down and pray with people when they'd come to the front. And he would ask them what they needed prayer for. And, and finally, this one night, the lady told him what was wrong. And he said, can we pray for her? And we prayed for her. And when we got done, I looked at him. I said, brother, she's the 10th person. I was keeping track. She's the 10th person in the last few weeks that we've prayed for that's fighting depression and fighting anxiety and fighting all this stuff. I said, man, there is a spirit loose. There's a, these are people been in church for all of the fifth and sixth generation Pentecostals, some of them. And they're dealing with things in their mind. It's wearing them down. An epidemic of pills just to cope with another days in Pentecost. Just a, an epidemic of it. And we're fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And I believe with all of my heart that the pressure out there should not affect us in here. It's hot outside. And the hotter it gets, the, the longer the air conditioner has to run to keep it cool in here. You adjust the thermostat according to what's happening outside. And the thing that's happening to the church, there's a lot of areas, including myself, where I haven't adjusted the spiritual thermometer uh, thermostat like I need to because of the pressure in the world and what you and I are seeing happening everywhere and what we're dealing with right now. If we ever needed to have a move of God, it's right now. If we ever needed the Holy Ghost to talk to us, it's right now. If the church ever stood at a place like Ezekiel did and look at a valley of dry bones, it's right now. I'm telling you, I've never seen so many messed up families and so many messed up people. I was preaching revival uh, last year in the church. I was there for two and a half months in revival, and there was it, it was in the country, boondocks. 
way out in the boondocks, about like JS. And a nice church, beautiful place. And we had six families in a few weeks pray through the Holy Ghost. Husband, wife, and four or five kids. And within a week, every single one of them were paying tithes and giving offerings. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But out of those six families, they had teenagers. I I'm talking a ready-made church. Boy, they had teenagers. They had young kids. It was amazing. They were faithful to church. And, and I was just there recently, and they're all still in church. That's even more amazing to me. But we found out. I was preaching. I got to preaching about shacking up and fornication, adultery, and whatever, you know, just preaching. And then after church, the pastor, he's, he's slammed. He's got people lined up at his office. And half those couples had never gotten married. In the middle of small-town America, in the... Rural America, who would have thunk it? And they're not even married. And so, Pastor said, man, I can't believe it. They got 16-year-old kids, never been married, been living together in the Bible Belt and don't even know any better. And so here you are facing all that. Matter of fact, he was out of town. He called me and said, hey, I got two couples at the church crying right now that, that prayed through. You prayed them through. They need the help. I said, where are you at? And he said, I had to fly out of town. I'm not there. He said, they're not married. And he said, they're afraid to stay together another day until they get married. He said, can you help me out? And I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, will you marry him? I said, yeah, I'll marry him. So I'm being a and I'm marrying couples for him. I said, you better add to my paycheck. <laughs> and he was gone. I come back and that's all married and happy living for God. But I'm going to tell you something. The day and hour that we're living in, we need a move of the Holy Ghost. It is our only answer. And when I look at the problems around us, and I can talk about it. You've heard me tonight. I'm not preaching a negative message. I'm preaching a message of revival, of hope, and of restoration of apostolic power. Amen. I feel like standing up overlooking a valley of dry bones. And you know what? It won't be me speaking because he said, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. The Lord spoke it, and when God speaks it, it changes everything. When God speaks it, no matter what you think or I think or the world thinks or anybody else, when the Lord speaks, that's it. Well, Lord, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. I said it. And when God says it, that's all that matters. And I stood right here where uh, Brother Mary was standing. I remembered. And I, I was standing there tonight while y'all were worshiping the Lord. And I had an overwhelming feeling come over me just for a moment while I stood there. I said, God, if I didn't come here for no other reason, speak to this church. Somehow, some way, I'm going to tell you something. This man's been faithful to God for years. And he didn't ask me to do nothing or say nothing, but I've been praying about it. This man's been faithful to God. He's been faithful in every area of his life. If there's ever been a man my age that has lived the life and been faithful to do the things of God... It's your pastor. And the devil's fought him every place he's been. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe it's time for God to stand up over a valley of dry bones and begin to speak to Olathe, Kansas, and begin to speak to surrounding areas. And when God 
says it, it doesn't matter what the devil says. When God says it, it doesn't matter what the history is. When God says it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. When God says it, it doesn't matter what the devil thinks about it. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. <coughs> Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God, help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us tonight, God. Help us tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm asking God to speak to Olathe, Kansas. I'm asking God to speak to the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm asking God to speak to denominal people in churches that need truth. Hey, there's Cornelius's in this city. There's some John's disciples in this city that need truth. And you know what? God's begin to use your pastor in overseas missions and opening doors up. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that as we go to Zimbabwe, that God's going to begin to move right here in Olathe, Kansas. I'm asking God, amen, speak to the four winds, God. Speak to the dry bones, God. Speak revival into this church, God. your faith and look to God. When God says it, it doesn't matter what I think. Oh, come on, help me worship the Lord right now. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Hallelujah. Oh, we need you, Jesus. We need you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord and thus saith the word of the Lord speak to these dry bones they will come together they will be an exceeding great army well I want to speak tonight to some dry bones and say hey these dry bones listen there's going to be a harvest of souls there's going to be a revival there's going to be healings of miracles amen there's going to be an added to the church such as should be saved Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to speak to it tonight. Come on, let your faith be increased tonight. Let your faith be increased in God tonight. Lord, I believe your word tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's hear worship him. Come on, talk to him right now. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need revival, God. We need revival, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Come on, I don't care how bleak it's been. I don't care how tough it may have gotten. I don't care how severe the trial has been to you. When God begins to speak, everything changes. Jesus. I've been preaching revival in a church in Mississippi. When I get back from Zimbabwe, I've got to go back there and, and pick back up in revival. Sometime, I'm not sure what, when, but I'm going back there to preach revival. And, and just a few weeks ago, Brother Reagan, on a Sunday night, we was having church Sunday morning. We had a good move of God. People was tearing in the altars a long time, praying, seeking God. And Sunday night, service kind of erupted. We was worshiping God and shouting and dancing, just having a good church. And, and I could tell I wasn't going to get to preach. And he said, you want to say something? And I just begin to exhort and talk to the church. And, and, and it blow up while we was worshiping God. And there was a man there. I didn't recognize him right then, but at the week before at a conference, he was there. And he wanted prayer. Well, I was, he was on that side of the church. There was a lot of people there, but I was on this side. And a man asked me to pray for his mother. So I was praying with her, and she was needing help desperately and was praying with her. And I seen all these men gathered around him over there. And uh, I wanted to go over and pray with him, but I couldn't break away from what I was doing. Finally, when I got loose, I went over there to help. Out. There was a bunch of preachers praying with him, young preachers. And I mean, they were fervent, and this guy was paralyzed on his right side, and his, his foot turned out, and he, 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 he would drag it like this when he walked, and his hand was drawn up, and he walked like this right here. And he was a young man. He had a stroke nine years ago. Well, that night was... We was praying for him, and I remember taking his hand while I was praying. I could feel such faith among some of them young preachers, Brother Reagan. They wanted to see God do something. And I, I just pried his fingers open. It was curled in a claw, and I opened it up, and, and it would just curl back up. And uh, I opened it up, and I held his hand. I was forced his hand on and We just kept praying with him, and, and nothing happened. He was crying. He desperately wanted a miracle in his body. And I, I forgot about it, to be honest with you. And I'm preaching at this church just a few weeks ago. And that man was there, and I didn't, I didn't recognize him sitting there in the back. And, and he, well, I was up there, and he, he, here he comes, dragging out his foot. It's turned out, and he's dragging his hand drawn up. And he come up there, and, we, and nobody prayed for him. He just got to crying and praying. And every once in a while, we'd walk by and put our hand on his back and pray with him. People's worshiping God, and I'd say a little bit, and we'd worship a little bit. And all of a sudden, I've got pictures of it if you want to see it. And all of a sudden, his face got this look. And I watched him. He opened his hand. He started opening his hand up. And he was going, oh. he opened his hand up while we're watching. He's going, oh. And he began to pick his arm up like that. And then he would look at it and he'd start crying. He'd close it and he'd come back down and he'd bring it back up, open his hand up, and he started doing it up and down. He got a hold of the Bible and he began to hold the Bible in his hand. He, he hadn't been able to open his hand in nine years. He hadn't picked his arm up in nine years. And he started doing it over and over. And the next thing I know, he starts running the aisles. Well, when he started running the aisles, he was going like this. And by the time he come around, he was hobbling. And, and, I, and he wasn't there this past weekend. The pastor told me, said he's doing good. He's getting better every day. And people came to church. Uh, I don't know what today is. Tuesday night, there was a lady there that came to church that saw those pictures. It's a lady in the church, took the work and showed them. 
and she started crying and she sat there in church and she kept, she said, I feel like I'm cold. I got goosebumps all over me. She said, I don't know what it is. She said, that's what I felt when I saw that picture. There was a man there that night, been in church, been around church all of his life, never had the Holy Ghost. And when he saw that, he just got up and he ran to the altar and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. There's, there's several coming to church next week that saw the pictures. I'm going to tell you something. Nobody can take credit for what God does. We wasn't laying hands on him. Hey, that was a miracle of God. When, when the muscles in his arm, he started getting feeling into his arm. He started grabbing it. He said, I believe. I believe. I believe. He said, I, I believe. And he'd grab his face and stick his hand up and look. I believe. He said, he's felt it for the first time in nine years. I'm going to tell you something. The power of God hadn't diminished one iota. Hey, if he did it there, he can do it here. The same power that they had on the book of Acts is the same power they had in Azusa Street. It's the same power that they've had since the beginning of it. And it hadn't diminished one bit. It's up to you and I that we let God speak to us. When God speaks, it doesn't matter anymore. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to step out on a limb in faith tonight and believe God. Amen. There's people you've been witnessing to. There's people need the Holy Ghost. There's backsliders connected with this church. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to step out on a limb in faith tonight. Come on, just begin to believe God. For this church, we need revival, God. We need a harvest of souls. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. I, I just felt something. If God can send us to Zimbabwe, the hungry Trinitarian Church of God people, then there's some around here God can send your pastor to. I'm asking God, Lord, give him some Corneliuses. Give him some John's disciples. Matter of fact, when, when Paul met John's disciples at Ephesus and met them there, when you read in the book of Ephesians, he wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus that he established with those men. He stayed there for a year longer teaching them and building a church up. And when he wrote uh, the book of Ephesians, the letters to the church at Ephesus, when you get to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, he said there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. The same group of people that he met in Acts 19 was the same ones he wrote to in, in Ephesians chapter 4. It's the same group. And I'm going to tell you something. There are people right in this area. All they need is to be shown just a little clearer of the way. They already know what repentance is. They already know how to pay their bills. They already know these things about truth. But they don't have a full revelation. But I believe if they're sincere, why in the world do we keep letting other people snatch them up? I, I, I pulled out into the Val San Joaquin Valley in California. I'm fixing clothes. Just keep standing. And they were harvesting wheat. And it ran for miles and miles. And, and uh, you know, California is such a multicultural, diverse state. And I, I pulled out there and I was watching 18 wheeler after 18 wheeler lining up as they were filling them up with grain and sending them off. And I, I watched, and some of those men, 
driving those trucks and driving those combines and loading all that up, there were some of them that were white. There were some of them that were black. There were some of them had turbans on their head from uh, Sikh Indians. And, and there was uh, Muslims out there driving that stuff. They had all the garb on. And I'm looking at that. And it dawned on me, that harvest don't care who it is. The harvest in Olathe, somebody's going to reap them. The Muslims will get them. The Seventh-day Adventists will get them. The Jehovah's Witnesses will get them. The Mormons will get them. The atheists are after them. Somebody is going to reap them. They don't care who drives the combine. Just when that combine comes through, they're cutting it. It picks it up and hauls it away. And it's up to you and I. God, if there's hungry people, I'm sick and tired of them going to the charismatics. I'm sick and tired of them going that direction. It's time that God stands up for this church. I want you to pray. And you ask God to help you. Ask God, Lord, I want you to talk to this city. I want you to talk to this valley of dry bones. If you did it for them, you can do it for us, God. If you did revival there, you can do a revival here. I believe with all my heart that the difference is only the hunger of the church. If you and I can begin to do everything that we know to do, then God's going to step up and show us his power. Hallelujah. Jesus, if you believe that, I want you to gather around the front tonight. We're going to come with faith in our heart, believing tonight. God, I want you to give us a harvest of souls. Come on, you're getting this facility fixed up. You're getting it ready for harvest. I've got several friends whose kids are having babies. They're fixing big grandparents. And, uh, boy, they've been helping their kids fix up their bedrooms and getting everything ready for it because they're fixing to have a baby. They're all excited about it. Well, guess what? That's what's happening around here. You're getting this church ready, getting the nursery done. Hey, we're fixing to have some newborn babies around here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want you to pray in faith right now. God, I'm asking you to confirm your word in this church. God, I'm asking you to confirm your word in this city. God, I want you to bind every spirit of, of depression that comes against the people of this church. I want you to bind every spirit of apathy and complacency that will try to undermine what you want to do. God, I pray right now that you would touch our hearts and minds, God, that every bit of doubt and unbelief